really happy that you were able to make the time today. Um, I was supposed to have Rico on because uh, I know he's like your he's like your booster for for all your old days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's the. I know that if I'm ever getting rid of anything, he's the first one I can message and say, what do you think? And he's, you know, no haggling over price. And I'll just usually give him a better price than what I was going to list him for anyway, just for the lack of hustle, hassle. And also just knowing that he's going to be happy, excited to have him. You know, I mean, there's a big difference between that when you know someone like, holy cow, I've been wanting this shoe forever. And I'm like, yeah. happy, happy to let it go versus, you know, you kind of figure it's going to get flipped or something. Yeah, not that it's yeah. not that it matters, but to me, there's something about that helping someone get a pair that they've always kind of wanted. Because I'll have people comment on my photo, you know, let me know when you decide to sell these. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. And then later on, decide, you know what? But I can't always remember who it was that commented. That makes sense. But he and I also share the uh, long-suffering Mets fan. So between those two <laughs> things, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> so uh, just to jump on baseball, you know, opening day was. Thursday and supposed to be oh supposed to be that's right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the oh. uh the Nats decided to well I'd say they decided to several players uh had COVID yeah so they had to postpone it Thursday there was an off day Friday they said well maybe Saturday and then I think they just decided to give them the whole weekend to let everybody clear out and so um and now I think already the Nats series with the with the Braves, I think is delayed today um, because it, yeah, for another day. So yeah, today is officially opening day for the Mets. Um, luckily, they're still one of the only undefeated teams still around. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. So here in about, I don't know what, five, six hours, I'll be tuning in and yeah. definitely rah, rah, rah. But yeah, no, last uh, Thursday I got up and I had my hat. I had my they just signed Lindor the night before. So I had my yep. Lindor t-shirt shoes to match everything. And then on the way to work, like, yeah, game's postponed. Like, oh, man. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, obviously the, uh, you know, all the state they were talking about last night on the, I was watching some of the angels game uh, against the white Sox, And they were saying how it varies from place to place of where, how many uh, fans you can have, you know, not yeah. even, state to state, I think, as much as county to county, city to city. So even, you know, within Texas, you might have a different thing. And obviously in Arlington, where they're letting everybody full capacity versus uh, Houston at Mid-Maid, I haven't heard what they're doing yet, but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Are you going to get out to to a, an actual game this year? Or? Yeah. Yeah. We've already been looking. Unfortunately, you know, the Mets used to come through a couple times a year, at least because they played the Astros when the Astros were in the National League. But now they're not. So it's kind of what every other year or so. And I think actually last year was tapped to be the Mets coming through and playing at Minute Maid. It didn't work out. So uh, we went to City Field to see a game three or four years ago. The whole family did. So that was fun. That's the first time the girls have really been to a big game. And so I think we're definitely yeah. planning to do that again. Yeah. City Field is like a great, just a great stadium. Um, <clears throat> probably. I think it's like an hour and a half for me and it's probably, you know, I'm, I'm a Red Sox fan, but I would much rather drive to City Field than drive to Fenway. Most <laughs> um, just yeah. because uh, if I bring, you know, if I bring my daughter or my wife wants to come, it, it's, it, it feels like a little bit more, you know, modern for them. So, you know, they're not like, 
they're not like bored <laughs> by the yeah. nostalgic baseball that is that is Fenway Park. So um, it's just a great stadium. Yeah, no, I'd still love to visit Fenway. I've, I've, I've kind of want to really start trying to visit some of those stadiums. But yeah, City Field, I mean, I think they, they've done a lot with it because when we first went, the, like the year or year after it had opened, it was very just bland. Like there was no yeah. uh, nostalgia, no nods to the past players and stuff. And I think they slowly started to up that to really bring in some of that. Cause you want to see it, you know, you want to see yeah. Tom oh, Seaver yeah. and Dwight and Daryl and whoever else it is and all those historic teams and things that went on, you kind of want to see all that. But yeah, I think that, well, and, and now of course with new ownership, it's a whole brand new day. So I yeah, very excited for that. Yeah, I think I think most Mets fans are are really excited about that. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you can't be. I mean, to to go from uh, just not not even being in the when you're a, a major city, major market baseball team, and you're not in the conversation every time for the top players, then that's that's just sad, and that says something about ownership and management. So yeah, to finally have someone talking the talk, but now obviously walking the walk by bringing shelling out 340 million dollars for a shortstop then you're like okay this is real yeah yeah so, yeah so yeah. let's jump into sneakers um you i think rico was on the wear everything podcast a few weeks ago and he talked about how you were one of the first people that he saw that was kind of like well i'm just gonna wear you know what I like or I'm just collecting things that I really really like um and I'm not really swayed by the market and you know seeing your collection on nice kicks was one of those things that inspired him to sort of go okay this shoe I like I'm just going to go after that and I don't care about everything else and so I kind of feel the exact same way too because I remember seeing your nice kicks video and going wow like this collection is like awesome, but it's also stuff that I've never seen before or stuff that I've seen, but I liked, but for some reason I never felt, I never felt any way about, but then, you know, something sort of clicked when I saw your video, like, <laughs> Hey, I, you know, you know, it's okay to like this shoe that no one else likes. And um, I was wondering if you could talk just about like, how you think about sneakers and 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 what sort of motivates you in terms of collecting yeah i mean i, I it's funny because you say that a podcast and i have to say that you know i've never been a podcast guy um until a couple weeks ago when somebody else asked the sneaker enthusiast asked me to be on theirs i was like oh okay like they didn't understand i mean just never listen people kept saying podcast podcast and i was like ah eh, you know and part of it was that i just really didn't want to get on one of these that I see of where all I want to debate is, you know, the Travis Scott, this and tra what's the hot release and what are you going to get it? And let's debate what's, let's do a, a shoe off, you know, bracket style. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's so subjective to me. So I guess, you know, to that point, but it's funny because so when the nice kicks video, um, you know, nice kicks, the shop here in Austin was kind of our place to go. Um, and so one day I was in there and George Keel was in there as well. And so the guys were over there talking with George and I had met George several times and um, they just said, well, and they, they all call me Mr. Dempsey. No one will call me Patrick because I, you know, I guess I'm older. And so it's just always like, what about Mr. Dempsey? And I was like, what are you, what are you guys talking about? It's like, well, George, you know, he's, he wants to do a sneak peek and he's doing sort of 
more specialized collections instead of focusing on, and again, that's probably why I didn't watch it because I don't care what NBA player or rapper has in his closet, because to me, that's like typically an unattainable thing for the most part anyway. So I, I, I just don't really care. So I was like, sure. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I'd never watched a sneak peek before. Didn't know what it was. I mean, I kind of knew what it was because I'd go to the blog. And so I was like, sure, George. So we exchanged numbers. And I think that's eh, not going to go anywhere. And then I uh, go home and watch a couple of them. And I thought, oh, okay, this is interesting because, you know, I don't, I don't look at it as what I have as anything that's special in comparison where I don't have any like super rare or anything like that. So um, George and I kept in touch, but never, nothing really ever came about from that. And then uh, one day I tagged, I took a picture of my closet or downstairs, um, just basically a shoe display and George commented, it's time. I was like, oh, okay. So sure enough, like, okay, what do you think? And sure enough, like scheduled two weeks later, they were here. And so, you know, I think that was an insight to me because I had never really thought about it in terms of that, because I was just buying things that I liked and collecting and not really considering. But at the same time, Instagram had really given me insight into what else was out there and given me a community of people to to work with. And I think, you know, as you probably know, you can easily tell who's in it for what. And that's, that's not a judgment as much as saying I'm more interested in talking to people who have a connection to the shoes and who really appreciate them for what they are aesthetically or whatever, you know, historically, whatever it is. And so, um, you know, Instagram had kind of helped. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, you're talking about Instagram too, where I've connected with you and where I've connected with Rico. And, um, you know, for me at my age, I didn't have a lot of peers here who <laughs> business, you know, it may be similar for you at work where I don't, you know, the office, they may think my shoes look cool, but they don't know the difference of how rare they are, what I had to, what hoops I had to jump through to get them or favors to call in or whatever. And so, um, Instagram really at the beginning was fun for that because you could connect with people. And at the time, hashtags really worked. I mean, you could, you know, tag things and on Saturday or Sunday, you might get a feature from complex or nice kicks or, you know, one of those blogs that, and suddenly you might gain 20, 30 followers. And so, you know, I had always gone from, I don't know, 20, 30, 50 followers. And at some point it built it up to like 2000 followers just by between looking for people with similar tastes and, um, through the bumps from the, the features. Um, so that was crazy. So, yeah, so I, you know, I just, I think that whole, uh, sneak peek thing just was interesting to me because when it went, when it went up, uh, live, I was like, okay, I'm not going to read the comments. And I was like, okay, I'm going to peek at the comments, but I'm not going to respond to the comments. Like, I just, I don't, I, I know how people can be and it. And I was blown away at the way, the, the amount of people who were saying, just like what you were saying, what Rico were saying of, wow, like this is a breath of fresh air. This is, this is someone I can relate to. Um, I've, and, and I still, to this day, will have people say that they've watched it multiple times, or I still, I still go back and I, in the end, I did reply to comments and I think it, it helped a lot too, but i still get, we'll go check every once in a while. There'll be brand new comments of people who just saw that video. So to your point about collecting, I think, you know, I have the advantage and I've said it before that I'm 47 years old. And so I don't really have anybody to impress. I don't have uh, people to show or uh, anybody to impress. I don't have the peer pressure. I don't have any of that. So I'm at that advantage where I get to just kind of pick and choose what I want. Um, 
you know, when I first started out, I, I went I gravitated to, toward Jordans because of nostalgia, because that's where I wanted to be. And then when I figured out one, that they weren't always so appropriate for work and two, that they killed my feet and were just not as well made as that memory in my head from 30 years ago of what I was expecting to pay that for them and go, God, this, I can't even wear these for a full day. And so that's when I started looking at, you know, going to the nostalgia of especially Reebok, uh, New Balance, uh, the Made in USA, Made in U UK type New Balance, uh, Adidas, Saucony, anything that just sort of uh, had a little bit of style. But, you know, to me, a, a lot of it mattered less about how hyped it was or what resale was going to be as it was, do they appeal to me in some way? Will I wear these? They're cool. They've got a cool story or I like the shop that did them, whatever it is. So, yeah. I don't know if that's a roundabout way to sort of answer your question, but yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I think that makes sense. Um, you know, like I, I think I kind of went through the same thing, you know, and, you know, we had a conversation a few, a few episodes ago with a couple of other people and they were, you know, they always, sort of express the same sentiment of, you know, you go back to that nostalgic feeling of your of your youth trying to, you know, get into Jordans and all the basketball shoes and things you remember from back then. And something about them doesn't pan out into real life and to where you are now. And, you know, you you start gravitating towards other things because it's not like you're like, okay, this this Jordan thing didn't work out. I'm gonna give up sneakers. It's like I'm addicted to sneakers or I love sneakers or I love collecting what other shoes are there um like you know and I am very much like you where I you know I, I jumped to Saucony, Reebok, you know Asics, Made in the USA, New Balance, uh, Made in the UK, New Balance and so those things definitely you know I think for me too showed a different a different level of creativity and inspiration um, than a lot of the things that I was attracted to as a kid that still exist and are still being sort of repopulated and remade um, in a modern in a modern you know in, in a modern way. Um, what what do you think? Or can you kind of talk about your earliest memories of like collecting? Because um, you did say you know that it it did start with like Jordan, but I know, you know, from following your feed that you post a lot of pictures um, from back in the day, which a lot of people don't, of you wearing stuff. And there are pictures of, you know, Reeboks and things like that as well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as collecting, I've always been a collector. So, you know, it started as a kid with Star Wars figures and then went to baseball cards and then back to Star Wars figures when they started coming back out and then baseball cards kind of all throughout. And so collecting has kind of always been a thing. So it, it only made sense that I couldn't be happy with only having two or three pairs of sneakers and just being satisfied with that. Um, and then of course, when the Reebok, the 30th anniversary, the classic leather, that's kind of what really got me hooked um, both on sneakers in general, the idea of collecting, but also on Reebok. Um, and it just kind of like, okay, I, I see this now. I see how I'm not just, because there's so many, especially now there's so many brands, there's so many styles, you could go crazy and everything, you know, whatever style comes out, they've got to do in 50 different colorways and just milk it for every penny. So you could spend all your time and money just chasing everything. So to be able to, to sort of focus on one or two things like that. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, as a kid, it just, uh, the idea of collecting or even having more than one, maybe two pairs of shoes at that age was just crazy. There just wasn't possible. So 
the difference is, is that the shoes that people are collecting now, or, you know, are that they're after are the shoes that we actually were wearing for their intended purpose at that time, or whether I had them or not, I wanted them from Air Max one through the Jordan one through, you know, all the way to the Air Max 97 and everything. I had some in between there, but it's just funny because, you know, to, to have actually been in that time and had these shoes or wanted these shoes to now see my children's friends buying them and wanting them kind of tells you how that, that longevity is there. Um, but also how there's just a different connection to it than what we had. But yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it, I don't think some of it was, um, I don't want to say budget, but like I've said before, where my parents were just like, you're, you're going to outgrow these shoes. We're not going to buy these. Once the Jordan started going to $65 and everyone else started stepping up and I remember breaking a hundred dollars, it's like, nah, we'll, we'll go find something on sale somewhere that you can use. And then at least until you're older. And then in high school, I started getting, you know, whatever the team was getting, but early on, it was just every different brand from New Balance to Reebok to, um, uh, Avia, Avia, whatever it is. Um, yeah uh yeah and so it was just it was sort of more of a utilitarian thing but there was just there was always that sneakers just appealed to me in some way whether i had them or not and it, it had to have started with the jordan one i mean that's really where i think for a lot of people especially my age that's kind of where it started um but even you know some of the early ewing adidas pairs things like that that i just really wanted and so to have the chance to go back now and get them is cool but again like i said that connection to what you originally thought that they were going to be versus in reality what they are it's sort of not not always there it doesn't always live up to the the memory and the nostalgia yeah yeah definitely um and i know one of the things that sort of really pushed me to your page was as you said the the reeboks right so like um i think reebok is a brand that has a very good catalog. Um, I was a huge Reebok fan in the in the '90s, um, and you know I remember when Hexalite debuted, and you know Pump, Pump. Uh, obviously, Allen Iverson was such a such a watershed moment for so many people. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about your your history <laughs> and just your love for for Reebok. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember as a, as a kid, uh, my mom getting into aerobics, uh, and having a, a pair of the, I guess they were the freestyles, the, the high top with the straps and in my little sister, I think had a pair too. And I remember they came in, you know, a lot of bright colors, like all red and white and yellow. And I just remember the, the leather on those just being just nothing I'd ever seen before. I mean, it was that glove leather that just, it was just, it was so soft and amazing and not, the not like what you were seeing on a lot of other shoes at that time. And so it, it kind of really got my interest and it just, it was, there was something cool about with the union Jack on the side. And, you know, it was just, it was these clean lines at that time. It seems like everything was going toward, toward the louder, uh, you know, they're getting away from the white colors to multiple colors on shoes. And, and there was something about those being super clean, um, that I remember the first ones I really wanted were the ACT 600s just because, uh, I remember seeing someone at school having them. And I think I, I never did get those until recently on the retro, but one that I found pictures of myself wearing were the phase one, uh, just a white and silver pair that, uh, you know, I, I didn't even know in my memories of going that far back that I had a pair. Um, but again, it's probably because at that time we probably found them on sale or something and not because it was like a gotta have, but 
just that style was, was really cool. And then, like you said, um, you know, people really underestimate Reebok in their catalog, especially now because of, you know, the way that Nike has become this juggernaut and Adidas is sort of up there. And, um, but, you know, like you said, back in the late eighties, when they came in with the, uh, the aerobic stuff and then a little bit of the tennis stuff. And then really when they started to break through, I mean, you had Frank Thomas, you had Sean Kemp, you had, um, Shaq, and then like you said later on Iverson I mean those are just the stars when you go when I you know I recently pulled out a bunch of old basketball cards and you look at you know all the other guys in there that that were maybe not superstars with signature line but they were wearing the the Reebok stuff uh not to mention entire college basketball teams you know that they they were there and they were huge in all sports really um but somewhere you know in the late I guess really after Iverson, I don't remember a whole lot happening after that, but somewhere in the late nineties and into the two thousands, that just kind of went away. So if you weren't around at that time, you wouldn't realize that it was a real choice. When you went to the store, you weren't automatically going to gravitate to Nike to go buy Nike because Reebok was a, a, you know, a true option for you to do. And as I've, you know, gotten more into it and gotten to know people there at Reebok and had contact, um, actually got to go visit headquarters a couple of years ago when we could still travel. And um, it was just pretty amazing to be there and see all that. And some of the uh, sneaker freakers actually done some really good books. Um, and in particular with the, the rack group that was doing the research uh, and development with Stephen Smith and Litchfield and a bunch of other people. And, and when you read about that, I mean, they were just like mad scientists in the room with blowing through budgets and getting away with it and developing all this stuff, you know, bringing in, when you look at where the Hexalite and, uh, and other things came from, it's just crazy to think about that innovation that was going on at that time. Um, when really Nike had their airbags and they'd kind of just, they were sticking with that. And, you know, until what I don't, recently really, as far as I know, I mean, it, when they started going in more of the foam stuff, but what, what Reebok was doing during those years to really innovate and change things and be out in front with pump and hexalite and, you know, the whole, uh, the pump, the instant pump theory with the whole idea of kind of carving out the middle, the bridge there and having two sort of pieces and just, it's really cool. And it kind of makes you appreciate that. Um, but also kind of is disappointing to see the way that they're viewed by many now for better, for worse, or for, you know, for their own faults or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I growing up was a huge Reebok fan, like I said, and um, I remember it being a choice um, when you went to the store, it was really Reebok or Nike. It was not a clear cut. Nike is everywhere and you're just picking that. Hexalite, yeah. DMX, I remember those two things were just, things that made me go, wow, that's so cool. And like you said, Nike just doubled down on the on the airbag year after year. And so that became very familiar. But I think for me, I was always impressed by like Reebok's constant push to, to innovate and create something new, whether it was the pump at first and then jumping to, you know, um, Hexalite and then, you know, the DMX and then, you know, the, the other shoes that, that you mentioned um and it was just something that happened in the late or or middle 2000s or early 2000s and i don't know what happened um can you kind of talk about it and i don't know like you know i've i've 
always looked and I, I find myself, you know, I have like, you know, all of the, all of the brands websites up multiple times a week. You know, I'm like, what's new at Reebok? What's new at, at Nike? What's new at, you know, Saucony? And, um, you know, I try not to get sucked into just their, you know, like sneakers app or the main hype thing that they're throwing out that week and try to really browse what they're really offering. And Reebok has cool stuff, but for some reason it doesn't seem to pop or it doesn't really seem to attract the attention of the masses like it has. What are your thoughts on that? And is there a frustration there with, with them not being popular? Or do you not mind because, you know, what you can get, you can get? Um, I mean, it, it's it's a little of both, but at the same time, it's gotten to be the point where if anything's slightly harder to get or, you know, if it's a, so nobody, I don't want to say nobody, most people are not going out of their way collector wise to buy Reeboks. I see them out and about, you know, there's, there's several of us that are out there, a lot of us who are into it, but on a day-to-day basis. But then as soon as JJ Jound decides to do one, well, guess what? All of us who have been faithfully, loyally buying Reebok along the way have zero chance at it because now everybody's going to come in because there might be some value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's sort of that frustration there too, is that um, there's just not the, um, there's not the consistency, I guess, in the support from people to really just to give it a shot. I mean, I think people just right, at, just right away just dismiss it as their rebox like it's a punchline or like it's you know why would i mess with those and it's like have you really even given a chance if you looked at the difference between a really high-end club c versus the cheap club c that you might have had that you didn't think was comfortable or the same with the classic leather or whatever it is um but you know from a business standpoint i mean i can't pretend to speak other than what i've seen and heard along the way but you know to, to your point you you go to the website and that's pro- that's probably one of the more miserable experiences with the brand but so, unfortunately it's people's only experience yeah. because it's just it's just there's too much i mean you know i understand like the classic layer than the club c are sort of your flagship classics but for one you're already mixed in now with the workout stuff the nanos and you know running and then this sort of new layer of you know athleisure wear type shoes and stuff and so it's just the experience i feel like is just not uh there for people and anybody who's tried to myself included try to get any type of big release whether it be an iverson or the recent uh, the d brown pumps it's miserable i mean you might as well just not even do it because the site cannot handle what it is but mm-hmm. overall i just think you know there was this put before you kind of had the classics line and you had the reebok line and you had your delta logo which couldn't stand and then you had your classic reebok classics vector Starcrest logos over here and you know not too long ago a lot of us were really happy because they just got rid of the delta and said we're reebok we're one brand now well, more recently, they've decided to get rid of the classics uh, social media and go completely to one social media, which, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's somebody thought that that was a good idea, I guess. But like for me, I have zero interest in looking at the nanos or the workout gear or any of that stuff for the most part. I'm going to look at the classics because I want to see the Iversons, the the Shacks, whatever else it is. So it just seems like sometimes it's just, jumping around a lot um and i think overall a trend in sneakers you know right now is going back to the classic leathers 
the collabs were with shops for the most part. You were getting a boutique to do it. Uh, and now, obviously, with, with everything going on, the trend is to not so much to do that as it is to find the sort of fashion artist, designer type thing. And that works for some and it, you know, doesn't work for everybody. I mean, to me, it, it just doesn't impress me at all. It's uh, even, especially when there's kind of really no story behind it and it's just sort of design and that's fine. I mean, that's just, that's not my thing, but I, I feel like Reebok has kind of chased that in some ways too. I don't even want to say Reebok. Every brand has chased it now, whether it be Asics, whether it be Reebok. Saucony's probably the only one who luckily has not gone down that path, but you know, as you and I both know, they, they kind of march to their own drummer there a little bit anyway, which is a, a great thing to see. But everybody else now, you know, that Nike had luck with the, with the off-white and Travis Scott and all that. So like now, now we got to go find our version of that. And it just ends up becoming kind of a watered down version of that, in my opinion. So it's just, it's sort of an identity thing, I guess, in the end of like, who are you? What are you? Like what, and who is your audience? Yeah. I mean, you know, a, a good example is the, they saw in Margiela, uh, you know, they did the the split toe uh, classic leather, which was at least a, a step out. You know, it's it's in fashion. It's different. Like you've fundamentally changed the design. So then when the, the Club C came out, I had some birthday discount codes and stuff. So I decided to grab a pair of the white Club C. And I, you know, I'd heard that they were really cool, totally different, like a whole different. I mean, you're just thinking with a, a $300 price point on a Club C from a designer company that you're going to get something special other than a really pretty box and, you know, some extra hang tags and, you know, some nice wrapping paper. So I pull them out and for a club C, the first two things I always check one is the the leather, the upper and see whether it's good or not. And the other is uh, on the inside, the, uh, the midsole, there's a little part where there's exposed uh, the EVA, the midsole, whatever you can press on it, whether it's, soft, then it's usually going to be, and that's what they reserve for their higher end club C's for your sort of inline. It's going to be hard as a rock. So first thing I just press on that hard as a rock. And I'm thinking, how did you, why is everything? And the leather was, was okay, but nothing special. So I'm just thinking here, you have an opportunity with this design house, high fashion to do something and you skimped out, you know, the leather's okay, but it's nothing special. What I was expecting for that price point. And then you skimped out on the most important part, the cushion part of it. So you're having this opportunity to get Reebok in front of other people who maybe didn't buy it before because they're coming from the, the Margiela brand side of things. And you're not going to give them your best experience. And not only that, but you're going to charge top dollar. What, just because you put a name on it. I mean, there's some design, like what's the premium on that when you can buy a solid, well-made, nice leather, very cushioned club C white, for a hundred, hundred and ten dollars, and you're going to charge me almost triple for that because a designer designed it and you were able to put their name on it, and that's it. Like yeah. that's a perfect example to me of like where are they? What are they doing? What's your identity? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I want to support you. I do support you as much as I can, but yet I see things like that that I just I can't understand. Yeah, I mean, I I think I question this the the direction of of Reebok a lot as well um one of the things that I notice like you said is and we've talked about it like other you know I've talked about it on other episodes about how Nike is very good at delineating their lanes right so you get sneakers 
if you want, you know, the hype stuff, if you want popular lifestyle stuff, um, then they also have um, Nike.com where you can go buy stuff. They have, you know, Nike by you. So you can go make your own thing. And they're very good at segmenting emails to you. Um, and so, you know, I get lifestyle emails. I don't get too many workout emails, but with Reebok, I feel like that's all I get is I just get workout yeah. emails, you know, the, the nano, whatever it is, every new thing that comes out, I'm getting an email about it. And if you looked at my buying history, you would know <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's not what I buy. Yeah. Right. And I always Ever. question, I always question whether it's Adidas's influence that is saying, okay, you know, if we have a more premier person that we can, that we can access, we're going to steer them to Adidas versus Reebok or, or what? Because it always kind of feels like there's like a trickle down like effect of like, oh, well, this person is top tier. So they're going to Adidas, but you know, there's this little, there's this other person that might be really niche that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to give to Reebok. And, you know, I think you and I have talked about it. Like how many, how many white or beige club C's can you do? And it seems yeah. like that's the, that's the go-to, right? Every time there is a collaboration, it's just a, it's just a beige club C. And, and for me, I'm like, well, I got the club C 85 vintage. I don't need another one. I don't, yeah. I don't need to go back and see like the different iterations. I want to see, you know, and also how many questions can I get? Like that's yeah. like those two things. Right. And so that's, that's always been my exhaustion. <laughs> I feel like right now with Reebok. Um, and like you said, you know, I think they have a hard time delineating and figuring out what lane they're going to pick from any, from moment to moment. And it's, and it is frustrating for me because I want consistency. Um, I want to know, like, I was really, I was really psyched about the, the ventilator anniversary. That was great. Like that was the last time that I remember them having just massive, really cool, well thought out collaborations in succession where it was like something interesting that was coming, you know, on a regular basis. And I don't feel like we get that now. I feel like, like you, like you said, they're trying to throw things at the wall or trying to get a big name to try to attract some, some people. Yeah. Or these really obscure, I don't know, obscure to me, I guess, you know, some really cool, uh, collaborations but with people and places I don't have any knowledge of or connection to so you know maybe that's part of branching out to new groups or you know keeping it trying to do something different um, a lot of skate influence stuff more recently which I don't mind so much I don't know who they are or, you know I don't skate or anything but if they put out a cool design um, like the bronze the 56k bronze uh, the G unit sort of style ones. Oh yeah. Um, that were just, it was cool. I mean, I liked them. I, I liked the connection to the G unit. I liked the fact that again, all the, everything was mod was upgraded uh, as far as materials and the cushion goes. So it's something I can get with awake has done some really nice stuff different. You know, they're still in that white, all white or all beige sort of overall, but they're switching up some materials here or there, adding some textures, you know, doing some over branding, something a little bit different other than like you said, just uh, maybe change the chunk tag and the insole and maybe something on the back tab and uh, that's it. 
the window, maybe you put your, I mean, that's like the formulaic way to do it is to just do those things. And so, um, but you know, to your, to your point too, like you said earlier, they have this incredible catalog and they do. Um, but from what I've seen, the majority, if it's not one of those models, if it's not a club C classic leather question, shack gnosis, kamikaze, maybe, I mean, I, I don't know that to me, that one's sort of, you know, borderline, but it seems to be, become one of their staples. Uh, if it's not one of those, then, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. I mean, how many other models have they brought out um, in recent years between the Aztec, uh, the Aztrek, um, I can't even think, I mean, all the different ventilator, like to me, the ventilator Supreme and even the ventilator two, I almost like those better than the original ventilator, but whenever they do them or bring them out other than garb store, who always seems to get it right. They yeah. just don't sell. I mean, you almost, it's gotten to the point where other than those hype releases, you almost are not going to pay retail because you know, at some point they're going to hit sales. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, whether that is the taste of the consumer or is it part of marketing? You know, I think that's another thing back to your other point is marketing. How well are they doing storytelling? I mean, Nike has a catalog too. And there are things like the, you know, say the Skylon or the Airspan that come out that collectors are clamoring for years. Please bring it back. This, the structure triax is the one that's killing me right now mm -hmm. um, that collectors are asking for and they come out and then they're not super rare. So then nobody wants them, right? But for the most part, Nike does a good job or it even doesn't have to do the storytelling part because they're just Nike. Whereas Reebok, I think probably needs to try a little harder on some of those vintage shoes to kind of do the storytelling of who, what this shoe is and how it's significant. So on the one hand, I see what you're saying. Like it's just those same shoes over and over again. But on the other hand, I see when they try and bring things back that are not sort of that core they don't always do very well. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what the solution is. Luckily, I don't have to make the decisions, but they're the kind of things like for me that are frustrating because I feel like if people would just give these a chance and try it and not get stuck in wearing another pair of Air Max or another pair of Gel Light 3s or, you know, whatever it is, um, you might actually like these and kind of see what, what the appeal is. But, and then not to mention, you know, I don't know how these things get done but with the with the seating and stuff you know it's sometimes it's kind of weird of who gets pairs and where they go out to and you know what what your intention of sending to these people like what is it just because they're your friends or you know is it, it i think a lot of it's been that they've got a lot of these companies have moved that function outside of the company to pr agencies and other people to send it to and so there, there's no connection to and I'm not saying I, me necessarily I, that I should get seated pairs, but I'm just saying there are plenty of people out there who I know who have been bigger, like solely Nike, I mean, solely Reebok people for years that don't even get a, a mention. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, to me, I think it's it, having worked in politics, you know, it's like, this is your base. You have to shore up your base before you can go trying to get other groups, right? And so if you're just going to ignore your base, at some point, your base is going to go find somewhere else because they're going to say this, this candidate, this party doesn't care about me anymore, but you're too busy trying to attract the pretty new thing over here and go in this direction and this direction. And they're going, I don't even know who you are anymore. I have no interest. And then you turn around and go, so is it just a matter that you're just taking them for granted? Well, these idiots are going to buy it no matter what we put out there.
these are Reebok guys. So they're going to buy it. So why do we even need to, to nurture that relationship instead of saying, you know, this guy has the opportunity to open other people's eyes because not everybody in their orbit is Reebok only. So, you know, and, and to your point, I've had plenty of people saying, I never looked at this before, but you know, you've opened my eyes to this, you know, or, you know, I've never considered it, or I get a lot of, of DMs and stuff of people saying, I'm, I'm glad I finally got off of the Nike train. I, you know, your, 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 uh, your, either your feed or the sneak peek really convinced me to branch out and maybe not even Reebok. A lot of times it's new balance. And, you know, once they start seeing, you know, you know, once you get a, a made in the USA pair of, of new balance in your hands, next to a, a pair of Air Max or Air Max 90s, I don't, you know, I don't know how you can look at them and feel the same about them. Um, but yeah, I see that a lot, but I just, I think that, that, that marketing aspect of it is just all over the place. And um, obviously as a fan of the brand and a supporter, I haven't stopped supporting them. I haven't stopped buying their product, but you're just kind of frustrating it. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And so will the sale to, uh, if the sale ends up going through, I don't know. Cause I, you know, the grass isn't always greener, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. And to go back to one of your earlier points, and I think we've had this conversation, you and I, about um, the Instagram and social media. Um, and like you had said, you know, earlier in the interview, that back, I don't know, like five or six years ago, you know, when Instagram was sort of, you know, newer hashtags worked right and brands really showed you know some appreciation you know reposting um you know really getting involved and like you said there was the two different Reebok the two different Reebok channels on Instagram um for me I think that has that's that's always a big a big thing is brand interaction um I think with Nike none you get zero like they're not doing anything they're not reposting they're not they're not going to dm you they're not going to say anything um and i know a few people you don't need to right i mean what do they need to you're gonna they're gonna gonna buy their crap anyway so and i say i mean i buy nike i'm not gonna act like i'm oh yeah but i'm just they they have zero need to we're just like give it give us more what's next please it doesn't matter exactly exactly can you talk about so like um there's a, there's a few other people that I know that are kind of like, oh, well, you know, and one person that in particular that has told me, if I can't get a DM back or if I can't talk to a representative or like a person at the brand and have a relationship, and it's not like seeding shoes or, you know, necessarily getting, you know, having everything that they say, you know, taken into account, but just have like some sort of presence where they're like, there's a mutual appreciation where they like your posts. Um, that person's like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not buying from you. How much does, okay. <laughs> how much does brand interaction, how much does brand presence play into, you know, what you buy or how you buy? Um, I mean, I think that's a little unrealistic to think that you're going to get DMS from brands or everybody. Um, you know, I've been, I've been surprised at some of the brands that, I've interacted with that way or how I've gotten to become friends with shop owners or brand people just through that process. Um, granted I'm older, so, you know, there's sort of that 
business mutual respect where we can talk about things outside of that or you know where maybe my opinion might might count for something of what do you think of this or whatever um but you know i i mean to me it just seems as if they at least like you said uh maybe do a weekly feature what would it take for to get some intern to go through and just double tap where pictures that you've been tagged in or you know find some decent comments somewhere to reply to just some acknowledgement from them um yeah i mean i think that whole idea that you need the acknowledgements a little a little greedy just because you got to think about how many times a nike or a new balance or you know the the main brand is tagged in photos to yeah. think that they can possibly reply to everything but it seems like there could be something that you could do to like i said hire an intern and say here's your thing i want you all day to go just find some decent things that are said about us and like it or you know just comment or reply to the comments in your post i mean there's there's just that it sort of reminds me of like websites used to be where it was this it was basically what we called like a brochure it was your brochure but it was on the web there's nothing interactive at all whatsoever it was just sort of this static thing and then sites became more dynamic and i think that's what for some people like the people who get it like Saucony originals who you and i both know they get it like and granted they're in a different space like i said before because they're a small team and they're not kind of going the same path as everybody but you know you realize that a little bit of an interaction can go a long way a little bit of acknowledgement um and then you know you see other accounts um on Twitter too, especially that will really clap back a little bit at people. And to me, that's, that's okay too. Cause at least you're showing some personality, you know, cause whatever raffle you have, no one's ever going to be happy. I was talking to someone at a shop the other day about something and it's like there, you're you can never win. It's like, why do you even do it? Cause no matter what it, you're going to get accused of backdooring, you're going to get accused of, you know, only holding down your friends or rigging the election or the bots, the election, rigging the election rigging the raffle or uh bots eight you know if you don't yeah. get it that's your excuse it's not just that you just didn't get it it's that yeah. there was some other factor at play and i'm just thinking you know so if you've got uh 12 pairs going online for the raffle and you have 2,000, 3,000 people probably more than that entering well, you're, the chances of people being happy versus unhappy are pretty high, right? I mean, there's only going to be 12 people who are happy and all the rest are probably going to be unhappy because most are not going to be realistic about the fact that you just didn't win. And so I think that's interesting to see some of these shops really kind of answer back to truly answer those things and say, this is how we run it. This is what we do. Um, but then again, there's levels to shops, you know, there's the smaller boutiques that are kind of trying to really build and get out there. Um, will do that but the bigger shops good luck you know even if you tag a shop say if i post a pair of, of packer new balance or you know whatever good luck getting any type of feedback from them uh bodega actually you know does a good job concepts not really bait i mean you could go down the list of the sort of the the big shops that have now sns any of them you're not going to get any type of acknowledgement from them for tagging them mm -hmm. So why, and again, why do they need to now yeah. that they've got multiple locations in multiple countries, a lot of these shops, what do they need to? And it doesn't matter that you were shopping with them when they had one shop and, you know, didn't even have a website and had to call in or get a friend to go get you something. 
that doesn't matter. And I'm not saying anybody owes us anything, but I'm just saying it's just, it's changed so much to your point of just where things were that you could have that interaction to now just sort of this corporate environment of we're going to put up there what we want and we're not really looking for feedback. We don't want to, we're not going to even read your comments. We're not going to reply to your comments. And granted, some of the comments are throwaway anyway, but yeah. Yeah, I know you You just mentioned uh, Packer and um, I know I was listening to Complex Sneakers podcast with him a couple of months ago and he talked about how um, they have no problem holding down um, you know, longstanding customers or customers that buy from them regularly. And um, I know you have relationships with several shops and, you know, sometimes they help you out on, on different pairs. Um, do you think that collectors or people in the sneaker game need to do more of supporting smaller local brands? Um, and does, do you think that that relationship is, is one that's, that's pretty valuable? I, yeah, no, absolutely. But I think a lot of it's gone away with, with no more in-shop things. Everything's online, you know, mm -hmm. everything's a raffle, everything's online. There's no more, there's no more building relationships or, you know, there's no need for it necessarily. But for me, that's just that partly because I'm old school, that, that matters to me. So yeah, you know, I will say things like that, but I realize that I, I benefit from that and I'm not going to lie, but I also have years of relationships with people. Um, and I, I, I honestly, I hate to ask for help. If I, if I can get it some way on my own, I'm going to try if I absolutely can't, but you know, I'm also not going to go ask for every hype release that comes out. If there's something I really want, then yeah. And, and if I haven't figured out a way that I'm going to be able to get it, then yeah, I'm going to ask for it. But, um, you know, I think, but, you know, I've said it before is that, you're always going to have those Saturday customers, right? They're going to be there. Yeah. But where are the Sunday to Friday customers? Are they coming and supporting you? Or are those Saturday customers only there on Saturday to get that hype release and then turn around and sell it in the parking lot or post it to StockX or take it to their consignment shop and make their few dollars and be gone? Or do they, when you have an event, do they show up and support? Um, you know, when you have a shoe drive, do they come donate? When you have asked for donations or support or, or repost something that, that's not going to sell. And, you know, some people figure that out, I think, and do it. And, you know, others of us are just sincere about it. Like I want to see the guys that I know who own shops, I want to see them succeed. If they never gave me help on another pair again, that's fine because we have true friendships where we talk about things other than sneakers and other than a transactional relationship where how can you help me out? Um, but, you know, this move to online sort of, take some of that away. There's for one, there's not incentive for that, but also um, it's just, it's taken away the, it's, there's no personal touch to things anymore. When you just submit your information into the ether and then just kind of hope that somehow the fairies come back and sprinkle some dust and you won, that's great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would, I, I wouldn't uh, apologize for getting any help. Um, that's just sort of, you know, it's kind of the way it used to be mm -hmm. um, when you had to go to your local shop and nothing was online. But now that everything's online, it's kind of this this uh, democratization of, of things or <laughs> I guess not even democratization. It's sort of a faux democratization of the way things work. Because, again, like, you know, when, when there is a raffle, there's an online I don't know what how many pairs people think are really going up because sometimes it's not that many. By the yeah. time 
staff has gotten theirs, ownership has gotten theirs, friends and family have gotten theirs, locals, you know, they're only, there may only be two or three pairs left. But, you know, another thing for me is that I think people don't mind helping me sometimes is that they know that I'm going to wear mine, that I'm not going to turn around and go flip them. So there's that aspect too. I mean, I know I've talked to plenty of people. In fact, that's how I got to know the sneaker in South Carolina, who's not around anymore. Uh, the shop that did the mustard Saucony is JP. I, JP has J, yeah, JP. And I had asked about a pair coming up. I don't remember. It was some Saucony release. So I was trying to help a friend. It wasn't even for me. Uh, and I was like, what's the availability on these? And um, it's like, that's yeah, pretty tight. We're going to list them in the morning, blah, blah, blah. And then he came back the next morning. He's like, the bots are going crazy. I'm just, what size do you need? If you, if you think if this is for you and your friend is a fan is going to wear them, I'd rather you get them because I know that, that, they'll be appreciated rather than just some bot that's going to scoop it up. Yeah. I've had that happen before in other places too. So that, you know, I appreciate that, that, that means something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking of Saucony, um, they're another brand that I think you and I um, are both fans of. And so if you could talk about Saucony, I always, like I've had so many people on and no one, no one shares the appreciation or the affinity for, for uh, Saucony that I have. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I think it is a, it is because I have a relationship with them. So, you know, that, that does so sort of play a part, but it's also because um, I see the work and I see the energy and, you know, the products that, that they come out with and I see changes happen. I've seen changes happen. Um, and I feel like, you know, they appreciate their customers and not, they're not just dropping something and it's going to sell out and they don't care. Um, so can you talk about Saucony and, you know, how you feel about them and, you know, their, your history with them? Yeah, no, I mean, um, probably the first really, I mean, I remember them sort of growing up, obviously, from a running shoe standpoint. And then, you know, just the logo is sort of just, you just remember it. Um, but yeah, I guess it was back uh, back to when I was saying that I transitioned from basketball shoes to actually getting into running shoes and realized that uh, there was other stuff out there. And so I think really that probably the Bodega Saucony collabs are what I remember the most um, just because they were doing, especially that elite series that came in a special box and they were yeah. just doing some wild stuff. It was just kind of out there. Um, and then, you know, there were several... Um, there was the Frank the Butcher and Rick Williams, the the couple pairs there. I mean, obviously like the burgers that I've got, um, the Only in Soho. I mean, there's sort of this peak there where they were really getting going. Uh, Extra Butter was doing a bunch of stuff. Um, and then at some point, you know, I just felt like it was just like a lot of things. It was just kind of getting oversaturated and it was getting oversaturated. The, excuse me, the price was going up and the quality was coming down it just got to be where I just expected that I was going to have tons of glue stains, you know, rough edges, um, badly painted midsoles, whatever it is. Uh, and so I kind of just pulled away for a while and just like, you know, I, I just, I, my money is better spent somewhere else. Um, and so then, uh, yeah, I guess when the guys that we know kind of came in and started doing things differently and I had some really frank conversations, mostly over DM about, 
why I haven't been a fan of theirs. And, and surprisingly, there was acknowledgement on that end to go, yeah, we, we know we're working on that. Like, we know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, these are factory issues that we're doing. And I know there were releases that were pulled because they didn't live up to the expectations. So when you see a brand doing that and you actually get to talk to them and hear them say that, acknowledging where their faults are and seeing where they want to go, you know, it makes it somebody that you want to to support, right? And to, mm-hmm. to back. And like I said, also, you know, as far as social media, they're great about reposting people's photos, commenting on things, um, and just being out there. And so it's, it's just, it's cool to see uh, a brand that was sort of just, you kind of liked and had a few of. And, and granted, there's others that, uh, other, I, I don't feel the need to grab every release. Like, I'm willing to admit this one just doesn't do it for me. I think it's cool good job it looks nice i'm glad it sold out but it's you know it's not for me so i I also give them sort of honest (laughs) assessment on that like yeah i like it but not for me i'm not i'm I'm gonna pass on this one so yeah 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 i think i think i think being able to have those frank interactions um is a big deal to me um and i think there is a lot of oh this is so great this is so great everyone you know sort of praising everything that one brand does or that one shop does, um, hoping to get into their good graces. And I've always, and I do appreciate that, that Dockany is very humble in their understanding that not everything is for me. Um, and also that not everything is perfect. And sometimes they need to go back and, you know, rethink it. Um, jumping, jumping ahead, like, I want to talk about like, what are some things that you're looking forward to just in terms of releases or is it just a moment? Is it just a month by month, week by week, moment to moment decision for you? Or are there things right now that you're thinking about that you're hoping to get? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of as things come up, uh, I've mentioned it before, but I'm, I'm kind of just getting bored with it a little bit right now. I mean, there's just, there's so much every week over and over again. And I'm, standing, sitting here, looking into my upstairs closet, looking at how many pairs are sitting there that, you know, like you could probably do turn around and go, I haven't even worn those in how long Yeah. do I need another pair or let me at least get rid of some pair. And that's the thing, like with my sneaker closet, sneaker grandpa's closet, IG, you know, that's just stuff that very rarely am I trying to make money on that. I mean, it's mostly just, I'm trying to clear these out or it's a pair I like, or I thought I would like, but I don't wear them as much. Surely someone else will, you know, just take them, get them out of here, have fun with them, whatever. And, you know, people will comment all the time and ask about them, but ooh, if they were just that size, but, you know, to me, it's, I want somebody else to go enjoy those. These are not bringing me joy now, or, you know, they're not, Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't live up to the expectations or I just, I just didn't like them as much as I thought I was. So, let somebody else to somebody else they they really wanted them and couldn't get them so um but yeah i mean overall i just feel like there's nothing necessarily that has me hyped like oh god i can't wait i mean i think the 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 d brown pumps were cool um and now they're more widely available but like the the release online almost killed that for me because i couldn't even get my size because like i said the website just couldn't handle the evidently the traffic i don't know yeah um i don't know i mean there's just nothing nothing that's that exciting. I mean, I've been going back to your, you know, as far as the shops and, and Instagram and stuff. I mean, I've been lucky to, to gotten seated pairs through the years from different, either from brands or from shops. And that's cool. And it kind of, it makes it something special, I think, to be acknowledged for that and to receive it and to think that you're getting it because 
you're sincere about things and you know that they think that this fits your style versus you're an influencer and you know you're gonna it's gonna get a hundred thousand views or whatever to like say we we appreciate you and your style and we think these would fit for you because that's the thing like people will you know say um man i want I want to get a lot of followers or wow, you have this many followers. Well, guess, you know, do you think I can go to the bank and say, Hey, I've got 15,000 followers. What can I, you know, can I put these as collateral or can I go to the store? I mean, there's no, they have no value in that. And it's, you know, how many of those followers I actually comment and interact with is, you know, not really that many. Yeah. I mean, so there's just, and the other thing with, you know, people talk about why well, I want to get the followers so I can get free stuff. I mean, there's, that's a double-edged sword because there's plenty of stuff that I've gotten offered or that will pop up. And then I'm like, what made you think that I would even want this? Or here, we're going to send you this, but we just request like a post a week for a month and, you know, two videos like, no, I'm not doing that. I'll tell you know, people offer something. I'll say, uh, if I like it, you're welcome to send it to me. If I like it, I'll post it uh, and, you know, give it kind of my, my review in one way or another no commitment to story versus a uh, post or whatever else. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, then I'm, I'm, I'm not going to run it in the ground, but I'm not going to pretend that I like it. Like that's, that's it. Because I think people recognize sincerity. I think people recognize when you're being insincere and when you're selling out and when you're shilling. Uh, and that's just something, it's just, you know, it's not for me. I don't know. I think I kind of veered from your question, but that was just something that I kind of had, had have been meaning to talk about and hadn't because, you know, I've had people say, uh, well, you need to figure out how to monetize this. You know, you've got these followers and I, I say, well, this is something I enjoy. As soon as I monetize it, it's not something I enjoy. It's not a hobby. It's now a job and I have to worry about making money. So yeah. it's not worth it to me. I have a job. I have a business to run. I have, you know, that this is my, this is my diversion between this talking about sneakers, going to the sneaker shop and baseball cards. Like those are my, I don't want to think about money. I don't want to think about that. And so, I don't know. I just, I questioned the whole idea of sort of famous, being famous for being famous, for lack of a better term, <laughs> or yeah. this idea of being, because it's never anything for me that I ever sought out to do. It just kind of happened organically. And I'm not saying that I'm famous, but as far as like being having followers and doing interviews like this, um, you know, talking to you guys like this. I mean, it's never anything that I sought out to do or that I would ever think would, would happen. And so, I don't know, I think people see, it's one of the things I'll tell people, especially younger people, like, how do I like, well, the first thing you need to do is stop trying so hard because people see that. Like, if you're trying so hard to do this, then people are going to recognize that. And then it's not going to, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Another question that I, I, missed asking you and I wanted to ask you and kind of flows into like this whole topic of like the evolution of collecting and sneakers is resale um and I know you're sort of I don't buy resale I'm not going to pay resale really what's your what are your thoughts on on resale and 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 just how it's evolved and how it really affects you know the things that we you know the things that you and I have tried to pursue over the years yeah I mean I think it just depends on whether it's a shoe I want or not right if it's not then I don't really care but <laughs> I mean I just think it's it's that's what that's when it bothers me especially but 
Yeah, I mean, going back to the whole idea of uh, online versus um, in-person releases and stuff, uh, you know, it kind of takes away from that. And then not only that, but then you can just go right away, open up an app, post it for your asking price. And, you know, there's just this whole faceless thing versus before. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, there, it wouldn't exist if there wasn't someone to buy it, right? So as long as someone's paying the price out there, then why wouldn't somebody do it? So it's hard for me to, to knock someone's hustle to get out there because I know plenty of kids out there and I'm talking kids like not just because they're younger than me but young teenage kids who yeah. have done pretty well for themselves because whether they had the backing from their parents or whatever but either way that's an entrepreneurial spirit to to make those connections and do these type of things so you know I don't know I mean it's just funny because it just seems it's now sort of spread over into baseball cards too where it's like the same group they were you know, but whatever the hot Christmas toy is, I'm going to buy those up and I'll make some money and sneakers. And then it's uh, video processors or video cards. And now it's baseball cards or sports cards. Um, there's just sort of that group that uh, sort of finds that thing that people are willing to pay more for. Just for me, again, I mean, I've got over 400 pairs of sneakers. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay your price unless it's something I really, really want. But I mean, I, even then it's, you know, I'll look at it and say, okay, maybe this is, $40, $50 of a retail. Well, that person after fees and everything else is going to make what $15, $20 maybe for their work. So mm -hmm. yeah, I can handle that. But otherwise it's just really easy for me, except, except I always enjoy one of those on those Reebok releases where people buy them up and then post them for, you know, crazy prices. And then just watch it go <laughs> like, you're never going to learn, man. It's, it's not going to happen at least not anytime soon. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think that it sucks that the focus has become that so much now um, versus just for love of the shoes. Um, but it's just kind of become a commodity for a lot of people. And that's just what it is. And I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I try and not spend too much time worrying about other people and what their motives are and figure, you know, karma is a real thing. And, you know, people are in different situations than me. So, you know, maybe if I was in a different situation, I'd be, looking at things from that angle too so what do you think what's your opinion on that i'm 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 of the mindset of you where if if it's if it's not something i don't want i know i'm not i don't really care but um i don't necessarily pay resale i haven't i haven't really paid resale in you know over over a year and a half um i think i did it on something that i really wanted only to see the price drop and you know i was like never again like i'm not doing it again and and you know um like you said if it's you know if it's 50 50 40 you know 30 dollars over retail okay like maybe but i have to really really want it um i just you know i have to it's got to sit there for a few days yeah. and let me marinate on it. Um, and uh, like, I think that happened with something recently, but ultimately, you know, I, I'm of the mindset that like, you know, if I, if I buy into the, if I, if something releases and my mindset is I have to have it every time and the price is whatever the price is, no matter what, um, I'm just, I'm just, 
perpetuating the cycle, right? I'm perpetuating the resale market. And so my mindset has been to, okay, well, I'm not going to perpetuate this thing. Um, not because I don't care or because I don't understand why people do it. I just know why I do it. And I do it because, you know, I like sneakers. I like wearing sneakers. I have sneakers that have, you know, stories and, you know, that, that give me the feeling when I put them on and like having a great outfit or whatever it may be. And so that is what I buy sneakers for. I don't buy them for as a commodity. And so, you know, there's, there is, I guess, a world that treats them as a commodity, but I don't want to be a part of that world. Um, I want to be a part of the world that, that, you know, buys and sells because they love them or because they have some sort of personal affinity for them. And, and like you, if I get something and I don't wear it and I'm trying to get rid of it, like I'm not, I'm not selling it for, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to kill, kill the market on it. I'm just, you know, I just basically want my money back. Yeah. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. If I happen to hit on something on sneakers that I don't want, I'm not giving it away. I mean, you know, I, so, so I can't act like I'm not part of it in there, but typically it's going to be something that's pretty hype that I just happen to get lucky on to get. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the, maybe it's hypocritical, but I'm not going to be the guy that, you know, when the market's here, I'm going to sell here just because I want to maintain my principles. I'm going to, I'm going to try and sell that thing at market. I'm going to be completely honest about that, but I'm just not trying to do that on a regular basis. And I'm not, uh, I want to take advantage of the relationships I had that I have to try and make a few bucks here or there, which, you know, I know that happens too. There are guys that go around shop, shop, shop that have, you know, made their, their relationships and, get multiple pairs of something and then go sell them and make their profit. And, and then that's fine, whatever you got to do. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. I just, from a buying standpoint, I very rarely will pay anything over. I'll just let it go and forget about it. There, we've probably talked about, I mean, there are just very few pairs that once the sting wears off and you've moved on because there's another release the next week and the next week and the next week and more of them, there's very few pairs over the years that I can think about like, man, I wish I'd have gotten those. Like I wish, and there's others that I just forget about. Oh, yeah. oh well, I missed whatever. Good thing I didn't get them because I wouldn't have worn them, but yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a random question and uh, I think we've talked about it in DMs, but um, you have, <laughs> well, I don't think you have, but I think I think Ronnie Feig has a, has a beef with you or did have a beef with you. <laughs> and blocked you at one point i i from what i've seen from what i've seen i'm hardly the only one um i don't think he takes criticism or at least in the past didn't take criticism very well but uh it was when the daytona the 1600s came out yeah um and i just commented i think i don't it it had to be on instagram i just commented that they look like mall walkers or something like that and just boom blocked like that and never got anything else. So, which was funny because at the time I was buying up almost anything he put out there. Yeah. I was really getting into a lot of his gel light three releases going back and buying some of his new balance releases. And, you know, overall was a fan. I was just, and in retrospect, I mean, that's, you know, that's the type of stuff anymore that I, that kind of bothers me when people have that. Would you say that to someone, you know, try and approach it now. Like if you were face to face, would you say that same thing to someone? And admittedly, I probably wouldn't, but 
now it's just kind of become a running joke for me that, you know, especially because I've had or have had several of his pairs that it's like, I'd love to tag you, but I can't because you have me blocked. So I don't know. He's a, he's, a, he's a, an interesting guy. I mean, obviously very creative, um, has been a great marketer, has turned, you know, to think about the multiple shops he has and just kind of the brand and the way that he's sort of moved away from the co collaborations to actually having his own clothing brand basically that's recognized you know to have shops in major cities you, you mean you can't you can like him or not like him but you can't not respect what he's done yeah um, especially in, in terms of design of the shops you know of really branching out and doing things that aren't just the ordinary um subway tile uh green wall neon sign uh you know distressed wood kind of look that everybody kind of goes to so yeah, it's funny. I, I still, people still, I still get comments every time and I just, I just kind of just keep the joke running, but yeah, I mean, it was just some throwaway comment that in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have made, but then it just got to be funny. Cause it's like, wow, I've never really been, I've never been blocked by anybody like at that level to think that. Yeah. 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 Well, I like that. I like that idea of would I have said this in person? And I think, and I think, um, you know, with this saturated, internet world um with a comment section on everything that's sort of like it's sort of like the new it's it's a new mantra that i think a lot of people should take on um myself included and yeah. uh i mean i just keep thinking about you know after this past year of everything that we've all been through in one way or another if you don't have some type of different perspective on life right now then i, I, I wish you would because yeah. you know it's it's just everything that's gone on for the last year year and a half i mean it's just you you've got to have some appreciation for the good things out there and just you know not not project that negative energy toward other people and especially people you don't even know or like i said that you would you wouldn't say that in person to that person i mean what gives you because you're on a keyboard to be able to say that and luckily i don't experience that much on my page but every once in a while I'll have somebody come on and just make some just crass comment or whatever, you know, somebody is like, those are ugly, you know, some shoes you post like, but okay, that's fine. I mean, that's your opinion, but what made you feel like you needed to <laughs> come that. on my page and say it like, just scroll past. I see plenty of ugly shoes on my feed, ugly people on my feed every day that I don't feel the need to point it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I know it's, um, it can be tough with uh, some of the comments and, and just the negativity that gets pulled in. Yeah. Um, but I, I really appreciate you taking some time out today to, to jump on and talk. Um, yeah. For me, this is one of those things where, you know, this past year, like you said, was a lot. And so having these sneaker conversations in person uh, was something that I didn't get to do. So having, you know, an outlet uh, where we could, just sort of chop it up face to face and talk sneakers is, has been great. So I really appreciate you taking the time. No, thank you. I appreciate the invitation. It was fun. I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I haven't had a whole lot of opportunities to, to have that other than, than DMs on IG or whatever, you know, to, to really yeah. talk about stuff and see what's out there. And I think to have someone, you know, you and I are probably a lot more like-minded than other people as far as our approach to sneakers and brands and all that stuff. So it's fun. I enjoyed it. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks a lot. Um, I can't wait till the next time we can chop it up and hopefully um, I will make it out to Texas eventually or you'll make it up to, to Boston. 
Um, yeah. I know there's a lot to see there for you. Um, for and, sure. uh, we can meet up in, in, in real life. So yeah. Um, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. You too. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you.